Hello, everyone, and welcome into DC Talks Life more than sports. It's going to begin in the realm of sports. There are a couple of stories that are sports adjacent, really, at best, that I want to talk about. But just as a warning here up front, this is going to be more about life, and even, yes, it's going to get a little bit political. That's going to be part of the point. I, I want to talk very specifically about the odd dynamic of not being allowed to be political or, or really, you know, just our general societal sense of trying to avoid uh, topics that could turn political and, and how that ends up keeping us trapped in these really terrible spaces. So if you're not interested in that kind of conversation, maybe just feel free to skip this episode until, you know, the next time I get back to talking about ERA plus and Raimal Tapia's strikeout percentage, right? But for now, I, I wanted to have this conversation because there are just a few things in the orbit that are really kind of hitting home for me right now. And as most of you saw, uh, I sent out a tweet, uh, a couple of tweets about the Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports situation. For anyone who's not caught up, it broke in wide circulation yesterday through Business Insider that Dave Portnoy, who most of us knew has been a super creep for a long time, has defended his casual use of the N-word and, you know, warning, this is going to be a part of the, the conversation again. So trigger warning for this, rape jokes and misogyny and telling women who are like sideline reporters and stuff that they need to be sluttier in order to get attention. Like all of this stuff was just public, well-known information about Dave Portnoy. But as it turns out, he may have also engaged in criminal activity in terms of filming women when they had not consented to that, doing things sexually that they have not consented to. Uh, I don't want to get into the details because it's super gross and disgusting. Uh, if you want to hear, or read, there are ways to read. I, I know there was a debate about this that I don't really have time to get into about Business Insider putting it behind a paywall. It's available for free. You can go and read in the comments. You'll find the free version of the article. If you want to know the details, it's just gross and terrible. And no one should be able to treat anybody that way and get away with it. But he's been able to for a long time because he's had an army of enablers. And not just the hardcore people who are the really scary ones who you've got to be careful of, who you know may end up coming after me because I didn't star out the names on Twitter and because I'm talking about it here. You know, I know that that's a possibility, and I know those people are out there. The super intense barstool, you know, sports fans who will go after anybody who attacks their company or their people uh, that they view as an attack when it's really just pointing out how awful their behavior is and how often it's racist and misogynist, white supremacy nonsense. And the problem is that the enablers don't stop there. There's also another whole entire group of people who essentially have come to the conclusion of, well, it's not that bad. Like, I don't like it. It's not for me. But really, it's just, you know, boys being boys or they're just being raunchy and and rowdy and, and doing whatever. And you know, this this recently came to a head in the video game world as well with Blizzard Activision and it being revealed that no, it wasn't just a bro-y party atmosphere. There was a lot of terrible stuff going on there. And a lot and there's a big investigation now, and a lot of people are gonna be in some very serious trouble. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being ultimately the same 
point here. And this is part of the problem with our societal and, and especially among corporate America and even the small businesses, and I'll get back to that, of being just being stuck in neutral, of controversy is bad, pissing off anyone who might be a consumer or a customer is bad, even if that means that that consumer or customer is an incredibly toxic person out there making life miserable for other people, that you still want their money, right? And so cast the widest net possible. Don't alienate the barstool sports fan, in other words, because not only will they come after you, they'll make sure that nobody else spends money on your product X, Y, and Z. And so this is what really strikes me and where you know my personal story comes into the mix. As most of you know, I became very vocal on social media in the summer of 2020 during the Black Lives Matter movement, specifically because I had been trapped in that sort of corporate mindset of I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble if I spoke publicly about any of my politics before. And I really didn't. But that was such a seminal moment that the higher-ups at my previous place of employment, <laughs> easy for me to say, couldn't easily ignore it, right? They, they had to say something, and they did. And, and to their credit, they said on really the day after you know, the George Floyd stuff and, and in that the following weeks, I think publicly handled it all very well, except for this one thing that absolutely destroyed me at the time as somebody who grew up in and around politics and understands how government works, was every single time we talked about it on a show or a tweet or whatever, we always had to say, this isn't political. Because while we wanted to go out and say Black Lives Matter, we couldn't collectively actually call for real change. That's a massive disconnect. That's exactly why so many people, myself included, were so frustrated by things like painting the street to say Black Lives Matter or renaming buildings and roads and stuff because it's all that's performative nonsense. It doesn't help stop police brutality. It doesn't minimize the wage gap. It doesn't create equity in terms of education funding. It doesn't create a better social safety net. It doesn't in any way make things better for black people or women or minorities or any other underserved group of people in this country. Releasing a strongly worded video that says Black Lives Matter and we're with the community and then turning around and saying, but it's not political. So we're not going to do anything at the ballot box where these changes have to occur. Not all of them. There are things that don't take place there. But look, the fact that 100% of our laws have to be signed off on by white men and don't necessarily need the approval of any minorities is a problem. A massive problem. And so that's why it was always so frustrating to me. I winced every single time we had to say, this isn't political. It's just about human rights. Like, human rights are political because they're being denied in Congress. Voter suppression, you can't say Black Lives Matter in 2020 and have nothing to say about voter suppression 
in 2021. That's performative nonsense. Right? But these companies and people who work at any company that needs public support, you're stuck. And I get why they think they can't make those statements because they think there's some argument to the other side. But uh, this is the problem I was in, folks. There is no argument on the other side of voter suppression. There is no argument on the other side of stealing Supreme Court justices. And there is no argument on the other side of the LGBTQ plus movement. There's no, there's no argument to say, well, maybe they, they just very recently got some equal right. So, you know, we can disagree about the tax code and how much money should be spent on the military and education and, you know, how long terms should be and term limits and all of these things. But we cannot disagree on whether or not you or I or your friend or your family member gets to exist and self-identify as who they are, and that person gets to participate in our democracy. End of story. Those are non-negotiable things. If you were born in this country, you are a citizen of this country, the 13th Amendment guarantees you the right to participate in our democracy and to self-identify as whoever and whatever you want to be. Everything else we can debate but when our laws don't reflect that, you can't say we're for black rights, we're for trans rights, we're for women's rights, but we're not going to get political about it. That's, then you're not making a comment about what you want to do for them. You're making a comment about how you want to be seen. It's branding. That's all it is. Straight up, we don't want people to think that we're racist. And th this was a conversation around that time you remember as well, right? And it's a fine line. A lot of companies came out including the one I used to work for, and said, we're not racist and we stand against this racist stuff. 100% fair. But that's not the same thing as being anti-racist, which is actively working on real solutions, on real change. Because if you let people off the hook, one thing I heard a lot during that time, you know, I heard on the Rockies broadcast, on radio and television, in our company, all this stuff was from white people especially was, we're going to listen. We're going to be better about listening more. That went completely away. Now where people are angry over critical race theory, a college level course that I'm sorry, if you get to college and you're not able to learn about critical race theory, then you, you just, <laughs> you're going to have many, many more battles in your life than that. Not even taught to school children, but still there's a freak out over that in white America very political, and they've got no qualms about it. The white supremacist ideology and the male supremacist ideology has no qualms about being political and about driving people to the polls and accomplishing what they want. And whether, you know, even going into to churches and whatnot, which used to be, you weren't supposed to do politics there either. Well, that's gone well out the window. So it does serve the status quo, and yes, the male, white, power structure that exists and has always existed in this country, even when you come out and say the right thing, but don't do anything about it. And so, when Dave Portnoy interviewed the former president of the United States right near the end of his term, when he was... 
I will say not handling any of the Black Lives Matter movement well whatsoever. You've, and he, you bring in this person who's casually using the N-word on his shows. And they sit down and they have a conversation. And he caught some flack for that and he tweeted out, hey, I had the opportunity to interview a head of state. I'd interview any head of state. Like trying to separate himself from the situation. Like the two of them weren't, this aren't the same thing. And I, last summer, retweeted that Dave Portnoy tweet and just said, hey, that would have been a really interesting strategy in 1930s Germany, or policy, I said. Right? What a weak excuse, right? I would interview anyone who's a head of state. Like, seriously, dude, do you know the kinds of people who have been heads of state? I thought it was an absolutely absurd defense that led to absolutely absurd conclusions. And I thought that you know, anyone who can piece together those two things could see that. And I really didn't think much about the tweet. Again, I, I was like, look, this is performative nonsense. You can't say Black Lives Matter and then turn around and be like, oh, yeah, but it's a good thing that these two guys with white supremacist history are getting together for this national interview and touting a whole bunch of fun and throwing it out to sports fans like, aren't we fun? You, you got to stand up against that kind of shit, at least I thought. But uh, lo and behold, I got a text a few hours later from the boss, very upset with me, basically saying, hey, look, you know, we were supposed to just not leave black people behind, but now you're putting your most extreme opinions out on Twitter. And I didn't think it was that extreme of an opinion, and I still don't. Obviously, it's easier to say now with this new stuff coming out about Portnoy. But we always knew, though, there's some attachment to him there for some reason. I've never understood. But it's a lot of why he's been successful. People that just find it on some level to be fun and community building. I find it to be exclusive and toxic and yeah. But anyway, it hadn't even really occurred to me until this news broke to go back and look through some of that and see that, yeah, right there in this conversation, I was told straight up, like, you can't stand up for everything you, that you believe in and also create community. I was told it was, quote, nearly impossible to do that. Well, friends, I'm going to test that theory. As you can see here, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. I'm going to aim to always do so respectfully and to always be open to any debate or conversation or other opinions that, again, are respectful. I'm not going to listen to anybody who comes in guns a-blazes and is an asshole. That doesn't create for quality conversation. But if someone has a different idea, I've always been open on any subject. Baseball, sports, what? Politics, baseball, those are, yeah, you know what I mean. Comic books, all this stuff. I want to hear from people. But I am going to stand up for what I believe in. I'm no longer going to be held to that idea that if you go out and stand up for the, and because again, that's always going to serve the community where there's more people, white men who have all the power and money to spend on subscriptions and t-shirts and bullshit. And yeah, it's true that people from lesser served communities aren't going to have as much money to buy your shit or subscribe to your Patreon page. 
And so trying to serve those communities and maybe at cost to a few extra young white men who might be uncomfortable listening to what I have to say. Okay, that's a price I'm willing to pay for one, just honestly the freedom to be able to speak my mind and not have to worry about if I say something that's real and true that I'm gonna get in trouble because somebody out there might either misinterpret it or have an ideology that's really not one that should be supportive, but if they've got money, we don't wanna chase them away. Right, it was that old Michael Jordan quote. If you remember when people asked him why, despite him being more left-leaning he and him being one of the richest people in the world, he didn't donate more money to Democrats. And he famously said, well, Republicans buy sneakers too. Right? There it is. That is the mentality of most companies in this country. And then the flip side is then you have the other people who just have like pronounced ideologies, right? Where Chick-fil-A is just a conservative company and you know it and you go there and enjoy that or you don't. Uh, Credo Mobile is a place where we've gotten mobile service for a long time. They're, you know, more obviously pronounced as a, a progressive company, stuff like that. And so, okay, but it's, it's the individual. It's how much it poisons your mind. Even someone like me who's worked so hard in these issues, I've worked on gay rights campaigns in my life. I've, I've you know, I've, I've been involved in government before and I've seen dramatic progress made on things like drug policy and gay rights and all kinds of things, but it has to happen in Congress. Your, your local state house, the national Senate and House of Representatives, and of course, ultimately, usually the uh, president or, or a mayor or governor signing off on things. But it bothers me the extent to which we've made talking politics a completely poisonous thing in this country because it serves the status quo. It's not on accident. People who hate talking politics almost always have very comfortable lives. You know, I've got a pretty comfortable life. I've just I just happen to have grown up in and around this stuff. And, you know, it's, I want to highly recommend that everybody go and watch John Oliver's recent breakdown on homelessness, by the way. This is exactly what I'm talking about. The group of people the, the called Not In My Backyard, right, NIMBYs. It's one thing to say, I support programs that help the homeless and, and I want to do what's right by them. And another to say, yeah, and I'm okay if they build that shelter in my neighborhood because it's got to be built somewhere and out of sight, out of mind is not a policy that works well for people. And I get that that's a very complicated issue. Again, I would recommend you watch the John Oliver thing and, and my opinions and, and ideology lines up exactly with his and you may agree or disagree, but the thing that I'm talking about more here, again, is that's another extension of people who want to say they're on the right side of history. I'm not racist. I don't hate the homeless. I'm not a misogynist. But then don't ever, ever, ever want to talk about politics. Don't ever want to talk about the fact that in our schools or churches or 
Congress or Senate, where a lot of the real power is being exchanged, and in a lot of these boardrooms, let me ask you this question. How many women and how many minorities do you think were in the room when I got fired? You guessed correctly. And again, this isn't even about me, right? A little bit. I put a little bit of my own stuff in there. And and they are just, you know, the my former place, it's just they're not special. In fact, they're, they're ahead of the curve. They do better on these social issues than most of these companies. And that's sad because just the ideology of we have to cast a wide net, we need as many people to come in as possible, puts you in that status quo situation where you can say the right thing only in the most extreme scenarios, only when the cops murder somebody on camera for nine minutes, right? I mean, I was working there when Ferguson happened and there was no public statement, right? It had to get George Floyd bad in order for a lot of companies anywhere and again, not just my former place employment, national companies, all these places, because there is such a strong don't rock the boat drive behind all of these places. And while there's some good intentions in that as well, and, you know, it's true, it, there's the old thing in politics where they say, right, um, when a candidate is starting to fudge on their beliefs, and they'll say, well, hey, if I don't get the votes, I can't get the job. And if I don't get the job, then I can't do anything to help the people. That's how you justify it, right? So I'll fudge on some things. I'll lie about some stuff. Maybe I'll take one vote away I normally wouldn't just to get these people on my side. And then once I get there, you know, then I'll, it'll still be for the good. And that's how you justify it, right? And it's the same thing with these companies. It's like, well, we're not promoting the beliefs of everybody that gives us their money, but we are going to go out of our way to make sure that we don't challenge truly abhorrent beliefs publicly in case it will cost us money. And that's one of the reasons why I really, really hope to be able to make this independent venture work. You know, I'll be able to do some freelancing here and there and, and whatever else because, and that's not to say that every single company in the world, every single corporation is corrupt or rotten or whatever and they're you know back to that whole question about business insider should they have kept it behind a paywall and it, it really sucks because i 100 percent agree with everybody who says stories like that ought to be free and available to as many people as possible just to get the word out and i 100 percent agree with that idea but i also know that if we don't pay journalists they can't do journalism great in-depth journalism is a full-time job and if you give away the best of your work for free you're not going to be able to get to keep doing it for very long you know it's like back in the day big news headlines they didn't just give away the newspaper for free and i think because there's just so much free content on the internet people have just gotten used to the idea that news should be one of those things and oftentimes it is and and sometimes it you know it is for the betterment of <laughs> of the population, which is ultimately the point of news. So I really am stuck in two different places about this. I think it would be a lot better if there were better unions for journalists, if there were generally better support for journalists, because it's tough 
to make a living as any kind of journalist. I mean, think about the situation that I'm in right now, right? How many other places in this town pay somebody full-time to cover the Colorado Rockies? How many places total do that? Four? You know, outside of the TV station and the radio station that cover them, you know, that's a different story. I'm talking about any other media. Right, full-time Rockies reporters from outside of that working for these companies. There's not a lot, and those jobs are taken usually by people who've been there for over a decade. (laughs) Right? There's only so many gigs because people aren't willing to pay. A lot of people are. So that part of it's tough. Um... You know, but like I said, I just want to be able to prove that it's not true, that you can't constantly stand up for what's right, for what you believe in, for what you think will make the world a better place, and actually fight for those things. Again, I just can't, the empty rhetoric was killing me to get, to stand up and say the right thing, but then not have anything to say when the Supreme Court is being stacked with people who are antithetical to everything that we're talking about here to not see that again to not see the filibuster or vote suppression or the court stacking as part of the black lives matter conversation is to be willfully ignorant at best but you can't cost yourself subscribers or clicks or whatever And that's unfortunate because we do have a society that so heavily emphasizes a comfortable status quo. It's only comfortable for some people. And their comfort, again, back to the John Oliver thing, has been prioritized over other people's rights for far, far too long. I was thinking about... Ending this, I was going to say some things maybe about the Henry Riggs story. I will very quickly. It's going to be a slightly longer show. Since we're doing serious stuff today, and and I just want to get it out of the way, and Tom asked here in a message, appreciate you, and you know I appreciate all you patrons. If there's anything you want to hear me talk about, please reach out, as Tom did, uh, either a private message on the Patreon, hit me up in Discord, fire one at me on Twitter if I see it. You know, it's much more likely to happen if you get here on the Discord. And I am going to make this one free. So if you haven't yet subscribed to the Discord, please consider it. You know, with the daily sports talk, Star Wars, MCU, DCEU, all that kind of stuff. Video games. Got a weekly professional wrestling podcast. uh, Got regular articles coming out. All that kinds of good stuff. Um, So, yeah, I have purposefully not really dived into the details of this Henry Riggs story because it really is truly tragic. I know the top headline stuff that most people know, highly inebriated, 156 miles an hour, a young woman died, and it's horrible, right? It's absolutely horrible. Oh, for those of you who don't know, a a wide receiver for the Raiders has happened to. I I think everyone has heard this story at this point, and it's Absolutely awful and tragic, and again, one of those weird things where sports and real life and conversations that really aren't about, 
you know, stats and projections and all these things that we're normally talking about end up occurring. And now we're all debating about drunk driving and intentionality and how much, you know, trouble should he be in and how much hate should he be getting and weird people on the other side who, you know, are making jokes about their fantasy teams. And it's just this weird collision. Not Oh, God, what a terrible, terrible ironic word to use, but a, a combination of all of these things that come together. And it reminds me a great deal of that uh, bit from... Bo Burnham's Inside. Can't recommend too many things that came out in the last year more highly than Bo Burnham's Inside. And he has that one moment where he just starts saying, can anybody just shut the F up about anything? Just anybody <laughs> about anything. And I felt personally attacked, right? Because, look, here I go. It's my job to, or has been my job to, and I'm trying to continue to make it my job to talk about things and comment on things and be one of these people who has an opinion on everything, right? From Rockies baseball to Star Wars visions and video games and pro wrestling, and I hope you all care about those things because if you don't, well, then I'm going to have to find a new line of work, right? Uh, but I also have tried to be somebody who kind of curates what I do and don't talk about, right? Because there's lots of stuff I have no interest in, I've never seen, I don't know about, and so I don't share thoughts or feelings or opinions on them. And I try not to have thoughts or feelings or opinions on them. And I, and I do think there's something very powerful in our modern society to saying, I don't know. I don't have an opinion. I don't feel informed enough to be a part of this conversation, so I'm either going to continue not having an opinion or I will sit and listen. And maybe after a while, I will form an opinion. But we live in a society that's so demanded that you have an opinion immediately, right away, you be the first person to react to something on social media with the funniest joke or the biggest dunk or the most insightful response or whatever it may be. And it seems like we're in this constant race to share our opinions about everything all the time. And this Henry Riggs story is one of those things where I just go, that it just, it's a lot of things to think and feel, and it's super tough. And ultimately, this is a personal tragedy for the people involved. And there are public lessons to be learned about, you know, take an Uber, get a driver. Uh, you, you know, I, I do think that we've got to, as a society, stop giving such a long leash to particularly, again, young men, but young people, I think there's this weird idea that, like, when you're 18 to 22, you're supposed to be stupid and reckless. And it's like, you really don't have to be. You can, it's a good time to try new things in life and experiment and find out what you like and what you don't like, but it doesn't mean you get wasted and, and do stupid things, like drive down the street at 150 miles an hour. You know, the, there's a fine line between reckless and, you know, having a, a bit of loose fun. And this was way, way past that. And I, I think we've got to do a better job collectively at drawing that line and, and holding people accountable and saying that it's not okay just because you're young. Uh, but there is also the flip side of it of, you know, it's, it's just a horrible, horrible tragedy. He didn't mean to hurt anyone. And th that is different than, you know, people who purposefully and maliciously hurt people. 
and our laws do reflect that and and for good reason but there's just no good thing you know i've seen a lot of people say he's he's still human and and he needs love and help in this situation and i would agree with that you know i think everybody does and that's it's also easier for us to say not being family members of the victim here but again that's one of those things that's that's where i start drawing the line of like i there's a certain voyeurism that i am uncomfortable with to the extent that a situation is public and there are lessons to be learned in the abstract a young man drinking and driving living in excess and an innocent person died because of it we've got to do better collectively and as individuals about taking responsibility and making sure those kinds of things don't happen and getting more much more quickly to self-driving cars and, and, and things like, like that but you know, ultimately i i think we've also got to do a better job of, of drawing lines on things you know i'm a big fan of two people uh, of their work who have been in the tabloids a lot recently and john mulaney and olivia munn and i have read none of it because it's none of my business and i understand you know some people enjoy that stuff and if you do uh, I'm, I'm not saying that you're necessarily a, a like, like you're a bad person or anything like that not at all not at all like and especially public figures that oftentimes do kind of rely on public interest in order to keep their careers going you know but in in the face of real tragedy at the very least i do feel like it's appropriate to just back up at some point and say that's their lives that's you know no one really knows exactly what anyone is going through you know that's part of I, I think the mental health crisis in this country is that everyone's fighting all kinds of battles on their own most of us don't truly know the depth and extent of the battles that everyone else is fighting and i feel like far too often publicly we pretend to we act as though we do know what you're going through we're very cynical about other people's intentions and ideas and beliefs and uh, you know, we see that ugliness pour out on social media, and it's too bad. And, you know, I just hope that some love and compassion can come out of that situation. And, yeah, maybe even some lessons be learned of, like, let's all collectively take better care of each other and recognize our responsibility to each other. So, yeah, tough, weird day being on uh, sports social media and seeing these things come across and, and just being kind of heartbroken by the state of things. Um, so I don't, I don't know where to leave you. I was like, I don't want to leave people there. Leave everybody with heartbroken by the state of things. But I guess here's my inspirational call to action at the end of the short film that I've <laughs> done for you here. And that is simply to say, you know, I, I hope you'll join me with this. If you can't become a patron at $1 or $3 or whatever, I, I totally understand. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help spread the word that way. Uh, retweet things. If, if you agree with not necessarily everything that I've said here, and in fact, I, I hope that there's room for plenty of fair and honest disagreement about several of these issues and, and several elements of them that I didn't have time to get into. But if you generally agree with me that 
We ought to be able to talk about these things. Yes, they're difficult issues, but if we can't talk about them, we can't solve them. Simple as that. And if we create a nationwide safe space from talking about real issues, we're prioritizing the comfort of the power structure over the rights of the people who desperately need our help. And so I believe we can change that. Maybe not just us here, but we got to start somewhere. I think there are other people out there doing it as well. If you believe as I do that you can live by your principles, act on your principles, be 100% of who you are 100% of the time, and still, yes, I'll use the phrase, build community, a positive, non-toxic community, not where absolutely everyone is invited, but where everyone who's compassionate and respectful of others is invited. That's what we're going to do here. We'll have plenty of room to discuss this stuff in the future, but I really appreciate if y'all will spread the word so that we can do that, so that we can have a successful space where we're doing sports coverage and movie coverage and video game talk and pro wrestling talk, and we don't ever have to worry about whether or not speaking truth to power might piss off a sponsor or a corporate overlord and freeze our ability to make the world better or put us in the place where we have to choose between keeping our jobs and making the world a better place. That should never be the choice. So thank you all for hanging out with me on this one. Uh, Zara is a little less sports, a little more real, or maybe I'm not sorry. Maybe that's, it was good for everyone involved. Appreciate y'all for listening in. You've been absolutely awesome out there. I've been absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you out there in the world.